welcome to the Child Discipleship Podcast powered by Oana. My name is Melanie, and today we're going to sit down and have a conversation with Elizabeth Smith. She is a sage in the children's ministry community. She has been serving at Moody as a professor, helping to prepare the next generation of leaders, discipling the children of our churches, know what it looks like to help them come into the presence of a loving savior. She is fire, y'all. She has energy to no end. And I could not stop smiling the entire time that this conversation was happening. Because of her experience equipping leaders in children's ministry, she knows how important it is to come alongside and equip parents to disciple their kids in their home. If you haven't checked out the Advent resource that we have available right now on childdiscipleship.com, that's something that you can help equip, whether it's your own home or potentially the families in your church to gather around together as a family and begin to mark the time that it might have been for the Israelites and the world to have waited for the Messiah to come and bring everlasting redemption. But for now, here's the conversation with Elizabeth Smith. Let's I'll just start way back. So I've been a pastor's wife for 34 years because I've been married 34 years and we have three grown children all married and by God's blessing, all love Jesus. They have amazing spouses, they love us, and they're all in ministry in some way. And so we are blessed. Um, and Awana has been just an amazing, consistent source of keeping uh, just a focus on the Bible and the gospel as the foundation and the center of a family. And I've seen them uh, change over the years, which I really appreciate because how we did ministry 34 years ago, um, I've always been involved in children and family ministry in the church and in volunteering and professionally. I'll get that to in a minute. But the thing I love about Awana is that it's biblically grounded and gospel centered. And that should never change. I don't care what millennium you're in. I don't care what generation you're in. It needs to be biblically grounded and gospel focused. But as we do that, we realize that the world changes and so does society. And we need to be wise in how we engage with our culture and community. And I believe that's really a heartbeat of Awana to reach out to our families right where they're at and to be in using it in the very best possible way, relevant, not relevant in the sense that we want to be cutesy or shallow, relevant in the sense of where are we at in this time of history? Where does God have his church? And how are we discipling our families and their children? um, Because we want this next generation to have a faith that lasts them a lifetime. And I think there's some things we can learn in the past 30, 40, 50 years, um, perhaps being able to redirect our efforts to perhaps even do a more effective job. And I think that's where Awana is at. And whenever I see effective ministry and effective ministry training happening, that's where I love to be. So I uh, met my husband when I went to Trinity Seminary and I got a master's in, they call it today, clinical mental health. We called it counseling psychology back then, but I got my master's as a counselor and I did a, what they called a concentration or emphasis in systematic theology. So I did all of the coursework for SysTheo and all of the coursework for clinical mental health. Um, And then I actually did my uh, undergraduate thesis I actually did my master's thesis as an undergraduate from IU, Indiana University, in case anybody is Hoosier out there. And um, uh, but anyway, when I went to seminary and I was studying all, I met this really great guy and I liked him because he was normal. And when Mm. you're at seminary with a bunch of geeks and I'm kind of geeky, like I love to study. I know I don't 
maybe always come off as I'm thoughtful, but I try to be, and I try to be, I love academics, um, but he did too, but he was so much fun. Um, and it was also just loved Jesus with all of his heart. And we ended up getting married and then we went to Wisconsin for 12 years. And now we've been in the Chicago area for over 20. And it's when we moved to the Chicago area that uh, I was asked to become a professor at Moody Bible Institute. And I've been there for a number of years now, going on a long time, 18 years, I think, 19 something. Started out part-time, but now I'm full-time. And I'm not only the field chair or the department chair for education and counseling, but I am the program head for children and family ministry. So I write that curriculum. I teach that curriculum. Mm. And I certainly uh, encourage my students to be involved and to know Awana and we use their resources. So that Mm. is uh, a long story short. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor. So I am now to the point in my counseling career where I train counselors to be counselors. uh, I've always worked with kids and families and youth and uh, have been involved in children and family ministry again, vocationally and volunteer wise and training others to be effective academically and practically uh, so that we're building a faith. And I've Mm. always had a passion of doing that. And God's given me the blessing to do that at Moody and now joining Awana. So I'm very grateful. Oh man, I know you've been on the the podcast before. And part of the reason I just wanted you to lay that out is that two things that really I find interesting is that you went to seminary to dig into that that clinical psychology piece, right? You just talked about how you're a counselor. And yet here you find yourself for the last, um, you know, just a handful of years. Not Definitely not like all the way to the, where the dinosaurs walked, but definitely. Oh, yeah, no, no, only... no, no. See, there were, I can prove there were dinosaurs right here. No, you're not that old, Elizabeth. It's only been a handful of years that you, but it's your experience is huge in which you've mm-hmm. been in children's ministry. And, and somehow the Lord took you from saying, I'm going to be a counselor and I'm going to be walking alongside like parents and families to then saying, oh, but I'm going to have a huge role in the development of the child, like the, the spiritual formation of the children of the church. How do those connect? Yeah, I think it helps being a pastor's wife. I don't know any pastor's wife out there who doesn't do some kind of counseling and working with kids and families. I mean, it's just kind of a part of our DNA and and where God calls us if you're a ministry wife. Um, but at the same time, using my counseling, I for the first 12 years of our marriage, actually more than that, I was a professional counselor and then I owned my own clinic in Wisconsin um, and so worked. And when I came, then we made this move to Chicago, believing that God had called us here. Um, I didn't know where God would call me, but when I met at that time, the field chair for uh, education and counseling at Moody, so this is what, 18, 19 years ago, he had said, I'd love for you to come and just teach a couple cat classes. My mom was a phenomenal teacher. My grandmother was an amazing teacher. They were teachers of the year, Illinois and Indiana, respectively. They were amazing. I come from a long line of women who have either served the church or education. And uh, so I kind of take after them in the sense of wanting to teach and pass on what I have learned. So when I stepped into that classroom role, Uh, It was kind of natural in so many ways. And then God's just kind of expanded it from that. But I've always been involved in children and youth and family ministry in the church, um, as well as women's ministry. That's never stopped. But then as there have been opportunities to speak or then to train, certainly children and family pastors and counselors. So I work, we have human services and crisis and trauma care programs at Moody. And I teach in those as well as then leading and teaching the program for children and family ministry. I get to have a couple of classes with our youth ministry majors. So there's a lot of overlap 
Um, because I think in teaching, I mean, I love my theology. So my theology degree, if somebody said, what do you like better, your theology degree or your psychology degree? And I'm like, oh, they're so hand in hand. We need to know first who we are in God. But then because we're in a broken world, that doesn't always go well, um, either in ourselves or within our relationships. And so being able to walk alongside hurting people and to say, here is God's word, here is the gospel, here's the work of the spirit in really practical ways when that brokenness is really felt, um, that's been a joy. And to make that effective for other leaders as well. How do we teach theology well? How do we teach scripture well? And then especially in those moments when we're really feeling that brokenness of the world, either from our own sin or just or the sin of others or just the consequences of sin um, in whatever place we're in, how can we have God's word really come alive and speak and God's word? And that's the thing I tell to kids or our families. It's like, why do we study and read God's word? Well, to know God, we don't stop at the word. We really want to know the author. And God is so amazing. He is not the only the author, but he's the star character of the story. And within that, we see him constantly redeeming um, his people and drawing them back to himself no matter what. And then the great joy of living this side of the cross is that he is always with us um, mm -hmm. and that we get to walk with God here, knowing one day uh, face to face, we will walk with him in his kingdom. And so let's have those kids and those families walk with God now. And uh, just as Jesus did, he walked in some really difficult moments in people's lives. I think we as a church can do that well also. I I, I love the way that you pair those two together, because as you've just established for the last 20 years, you've had students coming into your classroom saying, I want to help spiritually form the children in my church. I want to come alongside those families. I want to help them know, just like you just beautifully described, mm -hmm. the creator God in a way that 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 is so intimate and, and, and full of delight. Um, and so as you've walked with these students for 20 years now, right? Mm -hmm. what what are the like what are they coming in with that that you are like seeing that's different that's changed like yeah. what are the trends that you've seen and um these students that you're teaching and both what you're teaching them in how to connect and relate to the church but then also in potentially mind like shifts that you're trying to change in them yeah, that is a that's a great question. A lot's changed in higher education. Um, one thing I would say is that I do have 18 to 22 year olds, right? They graduate high school and yeah. they go to college and that's still fairly normal. But we are seeing many, many more people coming back into second or even third careers where they're like, I want to mm -hmm. come back for training. And so I have in most of my classes now students that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, mm -hmm. parents or grandparents, people wanting to come back. Uh, Moody is great. You can do either come if you want to live in Chicago and come to classes. You can also do what we call hybrid, where you can be in another city and join those lectures um, either at the same time they're going on or watch them later, or you can take an online course in eight weeks. And so the courses that I teach are available in what we call all modalities. And that is radically different. So you can choose how fast you go through, what you go through, when you go, where you go. There's so much more student choice than there ever was. And in general, that's good, but it can also be extremely overwhelming. So one thing we're noticing also, no matter even kind of what age, but especially if you're a bit younger, like in your 20s, we're finding students having a more difficult time dealing with the stress that all these choices can bring or just life itself. We are not the same people post-COVID. 
We're not. We've lost education. Uh, So academic critical thinking, reading is more challenging. They've Mm -hmm. kind of lost some of that preparation. Um, Social skills. We were isolated. And as humans, we're not meant to live in isolation. That was really hard on people. And then emotionally, a lot of people have gone through very difficult economic situations, uh, grief. My favorite quote of coming out of COVID, we all went through the same storm, but we weren't all in the same boat. If your boat was a good boat prior to COVID, chances are you sailed through COVID pretty well. Mm-hmm. But if your if your boat wasn't so good, if it was rough, then it probably got rougher and it was hard. Yeah. And so we've seen quite a bit more crisis and trauma and some of the consequences of that because people have survived a traumatic event. When you really have been kind of hindered in some ways, can I say, from the COVID, from the just the challenges that they've had, that grit, that resilience isn't quite there. Uh, we for, they, they can see, like even taking a 16-week class at Moody, if they come and they take it on campus, it can just feel forever for them to survive a semester. And But it's a great learning opportunity. So Melanie, before we had this, I went running, which is why I have my running gear on. So lovely. Thankfully, you can't smell me. You can just see me. (laughs) But um, I tell them we're in a marathon. This isn't a sprint. And when you run a marathon, though, I've never run one because why? (laughs) I can't do it. I'm sure others can. But if you run a marathon, from what I've heard is it's it really hurts sometimes and it's exhausting. And there are moments you think I can't make it or I want to quit. Um, And you have to kind of bear down and really dig deep in order to persevere and endure. We're having to redefine what that feels like and looks like because having gone through COVID, that perseverance and endurance is almost a new idea. Everything just stopped. It just stopped. Um, And so now that we're going back into things, we're having to go back to some basics of understanding what this life is about and how we deal with it. And sometimes it's sad and sometimes it's anxious and and that's because we're not in heaven yet. Yeah. We live in a broken world and we're going to feel that. So then we get to do a lot more real life. Like I talk a lot about both and you're going to both feel bad and get your homework done. Yeah. You're going to both feel like I don't want to read my Bible today. And you're going to read your Bible because we can't just go off what we feel or what my perception of my ability is. I have to trust God that in this moment he can meet me. And I can even yeah. do more than maybe I think I can. And so we learn that practically along the way. And and I would say that's a lot different than it was even 15 years ago. Yeah, that that reflects so much. I think the common, just everyday average children's ministry leader that mm-hmm. let's say they're in the church and they're looking at the discipleship opportunities in front of them. And I, and, and I know that I felt that way when I was, um, you know, a children's director is that it, it felt so much that it was like, opportunities are like, I can't do this. Like, I can't do this. Mm. And yet I went and just did the next thing anyway. Right. Because I knew that uh, it's going to be hard and I don't know how to do this. And yet I'm going to push forward because these children's spiritual lives are at stake. Right. And if they're, there's nothing greater at risk that that I I want to align my life and my values to fight for. And so as that's, I love that that starts in the classroom with you, mm-hmm. that you're helping them to understand that like, in some ways you're, they're going to continue to feel this way when they're yeah. in their jobs too. Oh, because yeah. idealistically children's ministry leaders can come in sometimes and be like, this okay. is going to be awesome. This is going to be fine. This is easy. This, I mean, it's going to be hard. 
we're going to have our, our work cut out for us, but like their energy levels can come in. And one of the reasons children's ministry leaders, um, they, they wind up leaving or quitting is the burnout mm-hmm. happens in such a quick, just devastating amount of time. They go from mm-hmm. this mountaintop high experience of all that they think God can do through them to just devastating to where we have a research in children's ministry and your reality that says that a large number of children's ministry leaders don't even know that what they're doing matters. Yeah. Right. So like, how do we get there? How do we go from leaders becoming out of the classrooms that you're teaching in, Mm -hmm. feeling like they're on this spiritual high of what God called them to do to then asking literally is what I'm doing Mm -hmm. worth it is, does it even matter? Is it working? Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan Edwards was one of the greatest American evangelists ever. He was part of the early America Um, And one of the things he said is if you're going to tell youth, children, Mm. don't just tell them what not to do when it comes to Mm -hmm. life, Mm -hmm. but give them someone to love. He goes, it really is about loving the Savior. And when we love the Savior and when we have that relationship and experience his love and out of his love, we love others, uh, then you can figure out what you do or you don't do. But if we become human doings and we forget that we're really, we are human beings and my being is grounded in the life, death and resurrection of Christ. Mm -hmm. If we forget to preach to ourselves the gospel every day, Martin Lloyd-Jones, a wonderful uh, English uh, pastor, theologian, author in the early 19th century, mid 19th century, wrote a great book called Spiritual Depression. And he says, we need to stop listening to ourselves and we need to start preaching to ourselves. And what we need to preach is the gospel that mm-hmm. before I loved him, he loved me. And God so loved mm-hmm. the world that he gave his only son. And so when I look to the hill, when I see my salvation outside of myself and I see that my savior died, My God loved me so much that he was willing to come and rescue me so that I am adopted as his child and I am now a co-regent in his kingdom. Mm -hmm. I am royalty and he adores me. And when I die, one day I will go live in his palace. And my room is so big in the palace that it feels like its own mansion. But I live in my father's house because that is my father. And it is that relationship. And when you stay, stay in love with a God who so is in love and loves us, and we can see that practically because of the gospel, when you rehearse that day after day after day, mm. it becomes the foundation of your spiritual life. We must, mm. uh, it's very similar if you were in an airplane, I just, I had shared with you, I had just gotten back from Scotland mm-hmm. and no matter where you fly in the world, our lovely uh, steward, the person that's taking care of us on the plane, they will say, in case of an emergency, the uh, oxygen masks will drop down. Please put on your own first before you do that for your child, yeah. which I always thought if that would happen, I'm like, there's no way. I'm doing the kid first, but they're like, no, no, no. You have to be breathing and strong first before you could ever rescue anyone else. And I just think it's a great example of what we need to do. I need to be breathing in the oxygen, the life of God, walking in his spirit. I need to stay joyful and in love with him and that relationship. Mm -hmm. And it is out of that love, out of that, that is the fruit of the spirit. Then you pass that on to a child, really, every time we teach the Bible or we talk to a child and engage with them, it's let me introduce to you the person that I love most in the universe. And that is my Mm -hmm. God. Let me introduce Mm -hmm. you to him. 
let me show you what it is to walk with him. And we know more about that by reading his word, but we're introducing them to a person. And we need to remember that our one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that that is who we want them to know. And if I am not filled with that first then I really am not going to, it's, it's going to be so much harder to rescue anyone else out of that eternal punishment and into life with Christ, because it's not flowing through me. You can tell if somebody means it or not. It's like going to see a great movie. Like I won't talk about the new series I just watched on a TV on the thing I got back and I'm like, I have not watched TV in a month, which is probably pretty good. But I'm like, I want to be numb just for like 30 seconds. And I watched something and now I can hardly wait to go tell somebody about it. I'm like, that's what I watched. I think that's exactly if I'm that excited over some silly show, how much more exciting should I be about? Let me tell you about my God. And let Mm. me tell you what he's teaching me. And I want to hear what he's teaching you because I love in Romans where Paul is talking to the people that he, that he is writing to. And he says, I can hardly wait to be with you. So we are mutually encouraged so that if I encourage you, you will encourage me. And that's the apostle Paul talking to a church. And I think that's what we can also tell children is I want to encourage you with what I know But for those children who are walking with God, what is God teaching them that can encourage us? So we should expect every time you go to children's ministry, any kind of event, anything you're doing, any conversation, how is God going to minister to me? It's not just about giving, but it's also receiving and allowing that to really nurture Mm -hmm. and be Mm -hmm. excited about uh, our own relationship with Christ and what he's doing in the lives of others and expecting to see that. You know, we live in a really dark world. Look for the light. God is not dead. He is not inactive. He is absolutely active. Don't miss it. Be looking for the work of that spirit. Um, And when you do, it is just the best. I had a child. It was so fun in Scotland. It's like, what's your favorite thing? And I'll get, of course, I cry all the time. So don't worry about it. It was a little boy on a bus. And uh, I said, you know, I was a teacher and this is my husband and he's a pastor. And he's like, okay, I have no Scottish accent. All right. But all I know about a Scottish (laughs) accent. And with it sounded like a question, like a pasta. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes. And they never, ever say the letter R. That's just, oh, so pasta. Uh. <laughs> and I'm like, it's like a teacher in a church, a church. I'm like, yes, where you go and you learn about Jesus and the Bible and everything I said, never heard about Jesus, never heard about the Bible, didn't know mm-hmm. what a church was, didn't know what a pastor. His parents were there. They were a little embarrassed or like a Kirk. I don't know if the Kirk was the church or the pastor. I didn't quite get all the lingo, but this was like, this child had no idea about any of this. And I just got to go, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about who I love my husband. I love my kids, but let me tell you about who I love more than anyone in this entire universe. His name is Jesus. And you can read him about in the Bible. Um, And I didn't have a Bible to give him, which I was so upset about, but I'm like, you know, you can get a Bible app on your phone and there are Bibles in the library, but you can read about Jesus because he was a real man, but it was God who became a man who was lived and loved us so much that our sin, which is anything we think, feel, say, and do that is offends God, that is not according to his, to, to, you know, what, who he is. If in any way it offends him, that has to be punished. And the kid knew about punishment because he'd been punished before in his life. You don't get to 14 (laughs) years old. I'm like, but Jesus took that punishment so that we can have a right relationship with God. And it is the best relationship ever. Mm. And, And all he could do is kind of think about it. Like what? 
there's a God and you can know him? Like that kind of blew his mind. But I'm like, what was my best thing about Scotland? Talking about Jesus to mm-hmm. this 14 year old who had no concept of anything. And, uh, and saying we, yeah, it's just, and if you can keep that, somebody asked me, how do you get so excited after doing this for like, I'm going on, I was in ministry before I married my husband. So almost 40 years now. And I go, because the more I know Jesus, the more I love him. How do you yeah. not get more excited? It's like my husband, we've been married 34 years and I am blessed to say, it's great. I'm more excited about being married to my husband today than I was 34 years ago because I know him more. We've grown. I've I've seen God really work through him and in him and who he is. And, and we know Jesus more. So how do you not get more excited? But that's because we put on our oxygen mask first. Stay in love with Jesus. Don't forget who he is in your relationship with him. And then you'll never, ever run out of energy or love or excitement to tell others, which is just the best thing ever. I don't know that anybody listening could not have just listened through that just beautiful description of abiding in Christ and like choosing to look and say like, I am a beloved it's mm-hmm. who I am. And I'm going to exist in that identity before I ever try to pour that into anybody else. And, yeah. you know, uh, one of the pretty significant pieces of research that I want to in the last decade is that um, a child who has just one loving, caring adult in their life is more likely to go to church, is more likely to read their Bible, is more likely to have positive interactions with the people around them. And this loving, caring adult could be a parent, but it's it's more often like um, someone outside of their family that really like nurtures and loves them, who knows who they are. And, and what I hear you just describing is that the reason that this child reads their Bible more is because mm-hmm. they're seeing the leader or talking mm-hmm. with the leader who is investing yeah. them read their Bible more. The reason that they show more kindness or want to be involved in the church is because they're watching their leader be right. more involved in the church and to show that kind of loving kindness to the community around yeah. them. And so what you are saying is that I first, as a children's ministry leader, have to prioritize my own discipleship. Mm -hmm. And yet that is often when you pull children's ministry leaders around the world, that is often the thing that they do not get. If you ask how many of you have attended any sort of children's, like any sort of service outside of the children's ministry service or uh, a sermon podcast that you've listened to, like how many of you have existed in the body of Christ in the presence of God, reading and praying the number of them that that is their consistent complaint is that I wish I had more time. I don't have the time to engage that way. Mm. And, and yet you're here saying we have to flip that script. Yeah. So I would say take every moment just, you know, in scripture and I'm sorry, did I interrupt you? You're good. No, go, go, go. go. I got too excited, Melanie. (laughs) Please. Um, It's so fun talking to you. We could do this all day. Ross would be so happy if we just did this all day. Um, um, I would say that it's, you have to take, as Philippians says, take every thought captive, right? Every thought is to be captive. You you actually see this Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, like through that area. It's like Paul is telling them, what are you thinking about? Set your mind on things above. You just see him saying, capture that. I think we need to capture every moment that we can. There's no way I'm going to get rid of busy schedules. 
That's ridiculous. People are just yeah. going to have busy schedules. Whatever schedule you believe that God has given you or what you feel like you need to do in your family or in your life, there are moments within that that you can take captive, right? Maybe your moment is, um, I always think about if I'm taking the train into Chicago and it's 4.45 in the morning, and yes, it's cold and dark. Those are moments in which no one else in the world is going to bother me. And I can take that moment. And often I look at where I am and just reading scripture and I just read the next verse. Mm. I'm just going to read the next verse. Not going to read the whole thing. And I am going to ponder that. I'm going to ponder, what does that bring to mind? How can I worship God? What do I need to study later? But I'm going to get my mind set on things above. And it may only be five minutes. Maybe that morning I'm running behind or whatever I'm doing. I have five minutes. I mean, if you wait for the big things, if you wait for the half hour, if you wait for the hour, if you wait, you're going to miss it. So, um, and if you're like, I haven't prayed with anybody recently. Do you know anybody that you could call and say, could you pray with me on the phone? Or here we're using Zoom. Get on a Zoom call with somebody. Use the technology that God has given us. But how many moments can you capture? And I think it's a great example for kids because for you then abiding, I love what you said, abiding, walking with Christ. I am walking everywhere every day. So where where are we doing that with Jesus? He should be all over the place. I, I did something as a young mom. I didn't even realize it was impactful to my children until they were older. But whenever we got a really good parking spot at a grocery store or Walmart, I, I said, Jesus loves me because I had three <laughs> kids. And if yeah. I got a really good spot, Now, I know Jesus always loves me, but there are moments Jesus just shows up and goes, I, I'm just going to show you how much I I got you. you. Yep. I got you. I am like, Jesus loves me. And when they were really little, they'd all go, Jesus loves me. (laughs) But they got into the habit of recognizing those moments that were just easy, fun, a blessing, whatever. And they got in the habit of reminding themselves that Jesus loves me. Just such a good, like Jesus loves me and I'm so grateful. Um, And they just got used to that. And it became a part of their thinking that Jesus loves them and that they looked for it every single day. And some days there were bigger moments than others, but you can't wait even for big things to remember that Jesus loves you. If you get a good parking spot, Jesus loves you, right? If you didn't wake up late this morning, Jesus loves you. Right. If you were able to take a shower and nobody knocked on the bathroom door while you were doing that, Jesus loves you. (laughs) There are those moments if you're a young mom. There are. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, wow, that is awesome. And so, again, those practice, those moments of I'm going to find someone to pray with. I'm going to meditate on scripture. I'm going to praise Jesus. I'm going to sing out to him. Um, Awana has this great... uh, talks, you know, the, the talks that you can have with your kids. It's not, what do we call it, Melanie? The, like parent guides? Yes. Thank you. Like, yeah. yeah. Parent guides yeah. are great. And then the app with the, uh, where you can have conversations with your kids and talk. Yeah. And that's because I'm in jet lag. Those, you know what? <laughs> Everything the talk about, that's it. The talk about things. 
Absolutely, parents should have those because if you can't figure it out, like what the, then yeah. you don't have to. Juan has done that for you. But talk about it, talk about it, talk about it when you rise and when you go to bed and everywhere in between, because Jesus needs to not just be something that we fit into our schedule. It's the wrong way of thinking about it. Jesus needs to permeate, saturate, invade all of our moments as much as we can because he is that person in our family and our relationships. He's with me everywhere I go. So it's not something secondary. It's just the primary person um, within our relationships. I would say that's encouraging to us. It's encouraging to our kids. Same thing when you're working with kids at church, you're in the hallway, you're in the Sunday school classroom, you're leaving to go out onto the parking lot. Every moment is a good moment to capture both to give encouragement and then to be encouraged. And when we do that, you know, it's not that hard to stay excited about ministry for going on 40 years. Yeah. What you're describing uh, reminds me so much of the concept between um, background prayer and like what, what I call kind of like intentional, like foreground, just to kind of stick with the theme. I I walked for the last nine months through a a prayer, um, just study with my church. And one of the things they contextualized for us was this understanding of exactly what you just said, which is that often we have it in our minds that every, every time we want to encounter Jesus or experience his presence, we have to do this in this really um, intense and and intentional though everything should be intentional like way right. that it's like i'm going to sit down and it's going to be quiet and my coffee's going to be hot and i'm going to take i'm going to be i'm going to journal at least four pages in my in my you know notebook and then i'm going to have just this robust beautiful time of prayer and then i'm going to like look up and i'm going to realize well gosh 60 minutes has gone down by and that was just a breeze and and then realistically We look at that and we're like, well, that ain't going to happen. So then it's like, well, if I can't do that, then I'm just going to do the very best that I can. And so the framework that they gave us was this idea of like, you might be able to get that maybe once or twice a week, maybe, right? If you're busy, depending on the season of life that you're in, but otherwise you are like sitting in this opportunity for background prayer, where at all times throughout any minute of the day, you're doing what you described, which is centering your mind on the things of Christ and asking the Lord, like, Lord, I just had two minutes of quiet. What did you want to tell me in this time? And, Mm -hmm. and then two minutes later, the noise gets up and perhaps maybe you heard something specific or you were able to pray and perhaps you weren't. But the point is, is that you keep yourself throughout all moments of the day open to the spirit and the direction of where you can commune, where you can abide, where you can learn in those little moments of just read the next verse. You know, without these lofty expectations of what you think you have to accomplish. And so I think uh, Elizabeth, I think I would just ask for for you as someone who has walked the last 40 years along children's ministry leaders, and while much has changed, I do think that I can say pretty confidently that the thing that hasn't changed is that in 40 years, we still don't prioritize our own disciples the way that we should when if we were to really understand the impact that we we have when we are in his word versus prioritizing the whole list of Mm -hmm. to do and strategizing and making sure that everything we're doing is you know according to whatever we have set out for the fiscal year plan and so i wonder for the leader who's listening and is saying yeah okay 
I, I want to spend more time with Jesus. I want to sit down those expectations of what I think it should look like and just be with him. Like, how would you encourage that leader to just read the next verse? I would think about the definition of discipleship, because that's one thing I love about Awana. It is about child discipleship. So what is discipleship? If we look at um, even the biblical narrative uh, of the disciples of Christ, and in a sense, how did Jesus make his disciples? There's three things to discipleship. One, you spend time with the disciple maker. Number two, you engage with the disciple maker, knowing that number three, you will become like the disciple maker. So Mm -hmm. if I'm the disciple maker, right? And I want to disciple others. I need to spend time with them, engage with them, understanding they are going to become like me, Mm. you know? And that's one thing about kids. They will say what you say and do what you do. So if you talk a good game one day going, oh yeah, read the Bible, pray, do all this, but then you Mm -hmm. never do it. They're going to say a really good game and they're never going to do it. Do not think you're going to pull one over on them ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if I realize I'm the disciple maker with my own kids or at church, wherever, I need to make sure that I am a disciple first before I take on that role as disciple maker. And we cannot underestimate the importance of that. Mm -hmm. Do I really take the spiritual formation of children seriously? Do we realize there is nothing of more importance of eternal value than the soul of this child and that Mm -hmm. God has given me himself to help me do this? He has invited me to be a disciple maker, to to be involved in his kingdom work. There's nothing Mm -hmm. more important whatever I get paid to do, whatever. But what I'm really here doing Mm -hmm. is winning soul for the kingdom because that is what is eternally. And if I want to have others to come to know him, love him and serve him, and I'm going to do this by being a disciple maker. So these kids are going to spend time with me, engage with me. And ultimately I'm the example they follow. Um, Whether I'm the parent, the soon to be grandparent or Mm -hmm. the teacher the children's director, the counselor, whatever role God has you in, and and many of those, you have got to spend time with the one who is discipling you, which is the Lord. Mm -hmm. You have got to engage with him, which means as you read something, think about it. We need to take our minds captive. Um, We live in a world, Satan is so easy in the West. This is how Satan gets us. We live in a world of constant distraction, Mm -hmm. constant distraction. And that is the kind of the demon we need to fight. Stop Mm -hmm. being distracted. Set your mind on things above sporadically throughout the day so that as you spend time with the Lord, you engage with the Lord, you will become more like the Lord. His spirit, God, we are to be disciples of Christ. And we do that by spending time with the disciple maker, Jesus himself, God himself. And as we spend time and engage with him, we become like him. Then we turn around and we do the same thing with kids and families. Mm -hmm. We spend time with them, we engage with them, and then they become like this. Paul in many of his letters says, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, was he a narcissist? Was he an egoist? No, he was just saying, I live a disciplined, radical, in love relationship with Jesus. I spend time with him and I've engaged with him. I want you to become like me. That's what you need to be able to say to kids and families. Do what I do, right? Do what Mm -hmm. I do. Not perfectly because none of us are perfect, But if the Apostle Paul, who is a great example, says you should so be living your Christian life that you could look at these kids and say, do what I do. Mm -hmm. And you know what I do? I spend time with him. I engage with him. I love him. I learn about him. I know him more so that I can serve him because there's nothing better. And this is what I was created to do. This is why humans are alive. 
um, and you let them see that you want children to follow your example, be the example you want them to be. You, If you're a hypocrite and you don't take care of yourself, but you say what's the right thing to do, you're going to have a bunch of little legalists, moralists, or hypocrites. That's mm-hmm. what you're going to have. They become yeah. who we are. Um, and I yeah. would say this time after 40 years, counselor, pastor's wife, professor, children's ministry trainer, leader, volunteer, mom, now to be grandma, mm-hmm. I can say that more conviction, they become like who you are. And sometimes you're going to just feel like I'm the worst possible example. And you just have to own where you're not perfect. And you ask God to step in that gap and you give yourself the forgiveness that Christ gives. And you take a deep breath and you try again, because Mm -hmm. the chapter that you're in is not the last chapter of the book, right? So if you Mm -hmm. haven't done it perfectly so far, don't worry about it. It's not the last chapter. You Mm -hmm. can, we get to change. We get to grow. Um, I've always wanted my kids, are the children that we raised, our children. I want you to see me sin enough that you know I need Jesus. He died for me for a reason. So see my sin, see what I did wrong. But I wanted for them to see my sanctification enough where I was like Christ so they knew mm-hmm. he was real. He is a mm-hmm. God of change and of power. Let them see mm-hmm. your sin and let mm-hmm. them see your salvation and your sanctification. Let them see it. So that they too can be a sinner saved by grace. And then yeah. as they walk with Christ, are sanctified and grow to become like him. Live it, see it. No, it is the it is the reason we live. Mm-hmm. And to remind yourself of that. You, you just remember what you're doing and how of eternal worth it is. And then of course, being part of the Awana family, they're not alone. You're mm-hmm. not alone in this. There are resources yeah. and people who can help you and encourage you. Don't miss the conferences. Don't miss the curriculum. Don't miss the opportunities to use what Awana has been producing. You don't have to recreate the wheel uh, and be a part of a family of people who are as passionate about child discipleship as uh, as Awana is. Be a part of the family. Don't be an observer. Get out of the audience. Join in. That's a we're lot. A fun, we're a fun crew to be a part of, right? Oh, we're so fun. fun. Elizabeth. Fun. Okay, so Sam Luce, who has spoken at previous Child Discipleship Forums and who is a pastor at a multi-campus church up in um, upstate New York, he is quoted as having said that um, one of the things we have to do is to stop giving kids a faith that they grow out of. And Mm -hmm. the more that that's just kind of settled in my head and as I've kind of broken that apart and reflected, what you just described is... Um, uh, is an uh, is an opportunity for a leader to help a child see that their faith is something that is so real and is so um, just tactile and tangible because mm-hmm. they're seeing they're seeing a leader who in all their imperfections is saying like look what when you look at me you look at God and that's it's not because I'm God. But it's because Mm -hmm. I love him so dearly that I Mm -hmm. will move out of the way so that you can experience him in his fullness. Mm -hmm. How could a child grow out of a faith when they have been in the very presence of God, when they have Mm -hmm. experienced his love, his tender kindness, his goodness, his mercy, because the leader chose in all their imperfections to have experienced that themselves and then mm-hmm. created environments where kids can experience the presence of God. Yeah. Yeah. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that yeah. raised Jesus from the dead 
and resurrected him to real life, I have the same Holy Spirit. And sometimes Christians think I get part of the Holy Spirit now, but when I go to heaven, then I'll see the full Holy Spirit. Yeah. Nay, 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 dear Christian, you have the full Holy Spirit. Yes. The Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the Holy Spirit that's in me. So if you meet me, you should experience the Holy Spirit in some way. Like this is the Holy Spirit. And I also love in Galatians where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, If you study it in the Greek, this is my geekiness coming out. The word fruit is not a plural word. It's a singular word. It's not many apples. It's not apple, orange, banana. It is a fruit. And this one piece of fruit, this one thing is, these are the characteristics. So the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit that's in me, his fruit, his characteristics, if you are abiding in Christ and you have, and, and that Holy Spirit is in you, you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, mm-hmm. goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control against mm-hmm. the, there's no law against that. Like this is who he is. You have all of him. You have all of it. And all Paul warns about is don't quench that. Don't suppress yeah. that. Don't push that to the side. Let people see your love and your joy. And, you know, and when life is falling apart, isn't it great that when life falls apart, we don't have to, and, yeah. and that doesn't mean we don't cry. I am great at crying. I challenge anyone to cry more than me. I am so good at it. So <laughs> crying is a gift from God too. It's like, yeah, life hurts. Not all life is good, but my God is good in the midst of a life that's not good. So the circumstances are bad, but God is still good. And I can have a peace in a situation because my peace doesn't come from the circumstances. My peace from some, comes from God. And that's where I also think that no matter how old you are, you should be involved in children and family ministry. We need grandparents. We need parents. We need teenagers. We need the entire age range of the family of God. And the older we get, like I am very aware that I, I know people say I have a lot of energy. I do not have the same amount of energy that I had when (laughs) I was in my twenties, but that doesn't mean that I should just hang up my coat and take a back seat. Right. Because there are things I know at my age, like even Melanie, there are things I know that you don't know only because I've lived on this planet a few more decades. And that kind of just wisdom that God gives us and experience can be such an encouragement. And this is where it takes an entire church family to disciple a child and a family. It takes all of us. Right. So I know that in the in the world, people have said it takes a village. I would say it takes a church. It takes a church family and that everyone's invested so that we see Christ and that Holy Spirit. So that child is walking through the hallways. They're walking to the park parking lot. They're in Awana. They're in the church service and they are experiencing God from so many different people in so many different ways. And once you really know him, and you love him, you can't walk away from him. I think uh, when I get asked about many young adults who are deconstructing their faith, I would have to possibly reflect what John says in First John, ask the question, did they know him? Because if you know him, you can't walk away. So what Jesus were they taught about? What did they believe? What were their expectations? Were they, were they expecting their church to be perfect or their families to be perfect? No, no, no. We're sinners saved by grace. And yet at the same time, did they see enough salvation and sanctification that they knew he was real? Like what, what can we learn? And not that, you know, and and every generation, there are those that walk away, right? So I'm not blaming any generation or any church whatsoever, 
But I think we can learn and say, are we having children, you know, as they believe and become and belong, are they truly belonging in that church family? So they are experiencing God from so many different people in so many different ways. And they're a part of that family. And they're introduced to Jesus from the pulpit, from the lesson, and just from the conversations they're having along the way in family, outside of the family, so that they have that opportunity to believe and to walk with Christ and walking that truly once the Holy Spirit is in you and you come to faith and you're walking with him, it's a faith that will last a lifetime. God has promised yeah. that. So that's what we want to be a part of. Yep. Yep. If we give opportunities for um, children to just exist in events or to just attend church or just to be there, then we're giving them opportunities in the future to choose not to be there. And like you yeah. said, and John, that means that we haven't actually given them Jesus. We've just given mm-hmm. them a social calendar and a safe place where we talk good yeah. values. But if within those moments, within those events, right. within those times where those children are at church, we give them opportunities to see Jesus and that's based in scripture and that's based in what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, then we will be giving them an opportunity, as you just said, to have a faith that lasts for a lifetime. The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.